Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. What's going on, Bears fans? As you know, sports betting season is in full force, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. Join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using code CHICAGO125. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props including NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on college football games, PGA golf, NBA games, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 9 Chicago Bears postgame show as our Bears felt by the final score of 29-27 in a valiant comeback effort that the Bears displayed in the fourth quarter. Um, but unfortunately, uh, just like we lost this game, Cairo Santos, uh, he lost his streak uh, in the final seconds with a 65 a yard attempt at single doinked. Uh, it hit the crossbar and uh, and a kick that broke my heart. Uh, not like any other kicks in Chicago Bears history or anything like that, but uh, with such a 
excellent effort that I saw this team play with in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. Uh, for them to fall just short felt fitting, at least for me. Uh, but I'm excited to kind of break this all down. I'm Eros Wittlewit. I'm joined by Nicholas Moriano and Mesa West, my two uh, amazing co-hosts. And guys, let's just get a vibe check uh, to kind of start this episode because uh, this is a game that uh, you know, Nick, you and I both picked the Steelers. Mason, you're trying to get a game back in your pick, so you went with the Bears. Uh, but this game went a little bit differently than I think all three of us expected. I think the Bears played much closer uh, than we really anticipated. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, literally, uh, as the clock's about to strike midnight, at least for me, how do you feel about it, Nick? It's a good question, well, because initially it was what you typically saw from Bears in primetime games, right? It was just hard to watch in terms of the penalties, the unpreparedness that it seemed like the, this team was coming into this game. And then the defense started playing, started settling in, and then the offense started to make some plays and started to move the ball a little bit. And then you end up with a 29 to 27 score and nearly with the game with the you know, 65 yarder hits the crossbar, which is just so fitting for the Bears. But it was too many of those mistakes that ultimately couldn't allow the Bears to make the full comeback. But I think what we all know, like with how Justin Fields played today, that's why I feel better about this loss. It still hurts, no doubt about it. Like I was downstairs watching at the end, edge of my seat just by myself. I'm like, are they going to do this? They just really back in, really back in, and doesn't end up happening. But it we did get to see a lot of good things from Justin Fields tonight. Yeah, we sure did. I'm excited to talk about the additional growth uh, that we saw from Justin Fields, stacking that in back-to-back weeks uh, once we talk about this offense in the second quarter uh, of our show. But Mason, uh, how about you? Uh, I know Nick and I got on. We are both kind of groaning, like, you know, broken hearts. <laughs> I fell to the floor as soon as the kick I hit the crossbar and had, like, army crawl myself over to the desk and pull myself up, you know, shrug it off. And it's only been a couple minutes. So I'm starting to kind of calm down and feel a little bit better. But where's your headspace at, man? It was... It was a game that neither team deserved to win. <laughs> like, if there was a way that both <laughs> teams could get losses on that, it, it, that's kind of what it was. But uh, what Nick said, alluded to there, I mean, tale of two halves, right? First half was classic Bears more so, where you're just, all right, this is what it is. What are we going to do with this? But the second half, there was some positivity there. It wasn't just the run game, right? Justin had growth. Um, the defense that was very shorthanded, at times, right, was able to find its way and keep keep the team in it. So there was definitely some things to talk about in a positive light, which is, and I've been saying this, I feel like since day one, what the season's all about. Uh, it's about the young players, specifically Justin, growing and seeing what we can go from there. At the end of the day, the win-loss, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks to lose in that fashion, uh, you know, single doink, but uh, it's better than the alternative, which is getting blown out by the Steelers. Absolutely. Uh, I see a few comments in the chat. They're saying it didn't hit the crossbar. I don't know if ESPN came out with an additional angle after I turned off the TV or not. Regardless, it's a missed kick. And the end result's not going to change here. But, you know, single doink or not, uh, crossbar or not, uh, I still want to, you know, just 
still kind of pay homage to the streak that Cairo Santos had uh, that we've talked about uh, for over a year now. And you know, for it to go out in this style, as much as it sucks, I mean, it's a 65-yarder in Pittsburgh, as they mentioned, not a friendly place uh, for kickers. So it's, I'm not faulting him uh, whatsoever there. But guys, let's get into the first quarter uh, of this show and begin with our uh, opening drive. And I want to go ahead and begin with my monster moment uh, of the game. And I felt like I kept backspacing and erasing this one over and over uh, throughout this game, especially in that fourth quarter as things and the tides were shifting. Um, but I'm still going to give it to the DeAndre Houston Carson touchdown off of that uh, Joel E.A. Booneyway force fumble on a punt. Uh, that was about with six minutes and 40 seconds left. Uh, DHC, you know, DeAndre on the spot was able to get his scoop and score. It got the Bears down three. And that really is the big reason why we're able to stay into this ball game because at that point we were surrendering. I felt like, and I'll see where this kind of fell in the surrender index later uh, because we were down 10, less than seven minutes left. You know, round midfield still in our own territory, but we punted. And I was like, oh, there we go. We just give up the game right there. Um, but the special teams was able to come in with a big play right there, just turn the complete uh, table and get this Bears within striking distance. And then later, Justin was able to work some magic, and we'll talk about that. Um, but without this touchdown by the Bears special teams, uh, we would not have been in that situation uh, to begin with. So that's why it's going to be my monster moment uh, of the game. And, and Nick, uh, I know it's a little later in the show because I did the vibe check, but do you have an opening statement? Yeah, so I kind of want to talk about the Bears offensive struggles in the first half and highlight their two drives right before halftime where the Bears get, you know, really good starting field position, starting on their own 48-yard line. And what, you're two two yards away from midfield, but they squander that drive and it ends up being there was the sack by Justin Field, TJ Watt, where, again, execution-wise, why are you leaving that guy unblocked to have him roll out? And, you know, the commentators are saying maybe it's on Justin, but still, just it just doesn't make sense to me to, to leave a guy like TJ Watt unblocked. So you end up, you know, completely having to punt on that drive and then going to the other one where they actually get inside the 10 and just what the Bears ended up doing with those the targets there. You, you have the run to David Montgomery from the seven-yard line, and that's fine. But then you try to utilize Jimmy Graham in the red zone. Yes, he has a mismatch one-on-one. -on -one. The man hasn't gotten a target since week three against Cleveland. And now you want to start utilizing Jimmy Graham, a guy that, you know, Justin Fields has obviously no chemistry with. They haven't connected, you know, since, since week three, even a target there. So... And there was just no Allen Robinson used in that situation where you finally get into the red zone for the first time within the 10-yard line and not using Allen Robinson. You see later in the game, start throwing him, good things happen. It's just squandered these opportunities early on. And again, it goes kind of goes back to what I was saying initially. It's like they couldn't overcome those early mistakes to fully complete the comeback. And I think those are just some of them that you can look at early on in this game. All right, yeah, definitely a lot of shooting themselves in the foot, self-inflicted wounds, I think it was like the buzzword uh, throughout the broadcast. Uh, Mason, how about you? Do you have a standout stat? Uh, I feel like there's a few that really jump out to me uh, when I look at this box score. Uh, I think for me, I have to go with, honestly, the penalties. The fact that Chicago had 12 for 115 yards and Pittsburgh had five for 30, uh, like, you know, one of those or last two, two of those coming near the very end. Definitely some of them from the Bears were undisciplined, bad penalties. They absolutely were. Uh, like you just said, shooting themselves in the foot. On the other hand, there's a large number of the penalties that were called that were just like, I don't know 
what that is. You know, like there might be like the James Daniels one where he did a quote unquote cut block, but he was inside the tackle box. And he also never even really made contact with TJ Watt that took a touchdown off the board. And that was four points that would have really helped in a game of this nature. Um, or the one where Marsh, well, yes, he lingered and stared off to the Steelers sideline, probably a bit too long. And then you see the replay where Tony Carrente kind of turns and butt hits him and then he throws his arm, throws the flag and he lets it hang up there. Like he just hit a three pointer for the win. Like, like what is, there's just a tube there. I didn't, that was weird. This whole game, it was just funky. When you see that big of a disparity in terms of the, not just the number of penalties also, but the yardage, um, the Jalen Johnson, it pass interference. It's like, what do you want him to do there besides just hand the ball to, to, I believe it was Deontay Johnson. It, that's a huge, that was a huge point that there was multiple plays that would have turned this game around again, whether it's the Bears shooting themselves in the foot or the refs getting a little too involved in this game. Yeah, it's definitely, okay, I'm not going to say it felt like they were because we all know they indeed were too involved. And who knows, maybe Marsh's family was sitting in, you know, right behind the Steelers bench. He was just like looking at his mom or looking at, you know, someone <laughs> near and dear to him. And it was just a whole misunderstanding. I don't know. It's, it's a shame. And I know there's even other missed calls uh, that the rest didn't get on our side that Mason, you didn't mention, whether it's Justin Fields getting hit in the head, uh, yep. other, you know, things like that. Uh, it's just, you can go on and on. And I know we try not to really, you know, gripe on officiating too much, but games like today, I feel like, Nick, I don't know if you want to chime in, but I feel like they are the exception to our rule. Well, it seemed like the refs really wanted to make themselves a focal point in this game. Like there was a, I don't know if it was initiative to throw some of those flags. It's like when you see Ben Roethlisberger get hit and get, you know, flag, you know, Mario Edwards, like, yes, I, I tweet like he, you know, Mario Edwards, personal foul shot, take a drink, but you didn't really see much happening there. And then you see Justin Fields is clearly getting hit after throwing the ball, taking those three steps that they talk about. And there's no flag there. It's like this, this was an issue. And it seemed like it wasn't just, you know, Bears Twitter talking about like a lot of people were kind of seeing like the discrepancy of how these flags are being thrown, what they're what they're calling, what they're not calling. It's an issue for sure. So this is they made themselves a part of the game. So I think it's all right that we actually bring it up because it definitely factored into, you know, a touchdown being taken like James Daniels would regardless of, of like the I mean, he didn't even land the block and he gets penalized for it. And you take the touchdown off to to Jimmy Graham there. So they definitely made themselves a part of this game. So it is worth talking about. For sure. And I think I see some other kind of chatter going on as well about the timeout that Matt Nagy took uh, when Pittsburgh was kicking their field goal. Are you guys confused about that one as well? I felt like the clock was going to keep running, right? Yeah, yeah, the clock running. would have run. Yeah. They would have just let it run and the Bears would have had one Nothing. second maybe on the time. So, yeah, you had to call that timeout. That was my understanding as well. Uh, so I just please make sure we all three uh, get on board and we're clarified. So if you're listening right now live, that's why you have to take that time out. It sucks, but you know you don't want that clock to tick uh, all the way down. But I, I think that does it for our first quarter of the show. And let's just jump right into the second. And let's talk about this Bears offense that, I don't know, guys, they found a way today. 414 total yards of offense, 7.1 yards per play. And it was really... 
a tale of, I was going to say two halves, but I feel like late in the second quarter is when they started to kind of find uh, their groove, whether it is actually pushing this ball downfield, taking those deep shots, finding holes in a zone, and Justin's able to capitalize on those. Uh, but let's just go over to you, Nick. What surprised you the most uh, about this Bears offense here today? Again, 414 total yards, almost nine yards per pass, and I think they finished the first quarter at like 1.6 uh, yards per pass. Yeah, there's definitely a drastic difference, but I think what you saw from this Bears offense, it didn't really matter who, whether it was the tight ends or wide receivers, they were really attacking the middle of the field on those seam routes that I think, guys, we've been wanting ever since week one, ever since the beginning of the season. Let's let's attack the middle of the field with these seam routes, but I think you, you saw that with, with Cole Komet, and that's why he was able to have the six receptions, 87 yards that he finished with today, so... That, I think, opened things up, and Justin Fields was seeing it. He was seeing the, those openings in the defense and delivering the throw. I think that just kind of opened things up, and when that happened, you're able to get the deep shot to Marquise Goodwin and other big plays to build off of those kind of deeper passing plays. So I think that was the biggest difference because when you look at the rushing totals, like David Montgomery didn't have a David Montgomery-like game, obviously being back from injury, but – it was really Justin Fields, his ability to attack the middle of that defense, utilize his tight ends to kind of get things going. Yeah, I think it's been about three years, Nick, that <laughs> at least we've been talking on this podcast about utilizing the middle of the field, using your bigger targets down the seam. And I, they hit it a few different times today. The first time blew my mind. I was like, what is this? This is competent offense uh, that I see before me, and it was. And then they kept going back to it, which was tremendous. I'm giggly just thinking about them doing so. Uh, but, Mason, I want to go over to you. What do you believe was the reason behind the Bears' success when they found it and they're able to kind of consistently string together some of these drives like we saw uh, in the third quarter and, most importantly, in the fourth? Combination of a couple different things, one being uh, moving the pocket a bit more. That really helped. Uh, part of it was honestly just getting, I think, Justin some confidence. Uh, they were able to dial up a couple of easier plays and just get the ball, you know, into receivers' hands. And once you do that, now all of a sudden you can take some of the deeper shots. And like Nick said, right, some of those – I asked for a seam route in our preview, Will, and I finally got a seam route from Cole Komet. It was like I literally thought of that. Um, I mean, he ended with six receptions for 87 yards. That should be his safety blanket. And I think we saw that on a couple – of conversions that he was able to dump it to Cole Komet and you're we pretty happy about that. Um, you know, he led the team in receptions. Who would have thought we, we'd be saying that? So to be able to do that, unfortunately, you know, the run game wasn't necessarily there as heavily. Uh, they were down a lot. So you definitely had to throw more. It just was a necessity. David Montgomery only had 13 carries, so you couldn't lean as much on there. But there was even, which we haven't seen, a desire for them to actually use David Montgomery a little more in the catching game, right? They tried to run some wider, some running back screens, which again, we, we've been clamoring for. Um, he had two catches for 17 yards. It's fantastic. More deep shots. Yes, they didn't hit all the time, but at least you tested them and you made them think about it. Like the one's a good one, while it didn't result in the touchdown you were looking for, it stretched the field and made just the Steelers think, okay, well, there's a chance he's actually going to throw the ball downfield. So when you put all of that stuff together, confidence grows, you're able to move the pocket, uh, you're hitting your tight end, all those things, it's actually a recipe to have a competent offense. 
Yeah, uh, without a doubt. I saw a super chat from uh, Victory Asher, who's a Steelers fan, uh, gave us a $5 donation here on YouTube, uh, really just because of how poor the officiating was. So if there are more Steelers fans, you have to follow uh, Victory Asher's lead here, uh, because honestly, you owe us uh, after what we had to endure for almost three and a half hours uh, of our lifetime. I think he called it disgusting, and I think that's an appropriate uh, term to kind of quantify what we saw from the officiating crew here uh, this evening. Uh Mason, I actually want to go right back to you. And there's so much I want to talk about this offense. But I had a question in my mind most of the game. I didn't jot it down. So before I forget, are you hoping the Bears don't forget about Khalil Herbert too much? I, I know he wasn't out there as much as I know you would like. And uh, as well as he played in Montgomery's absence, I feel like having a two-back system may not be a bad thing. It's so hard because with with running back because at the end of the day, like with receivers you can have four receivers out there all running routes all have the opportunity to catch the ball at the end of the day for the most part yeah you can you're gonna run with one running back and and go from there um besides maybe the times that <laughs> they're running the wildcat which you know brought me back to the ricky williams dolphins days seeing how many times they ran that actually today you you could you have Khalil herbert out there more maybe it's running backs especially like Herberts of the world and Montgomery's of that for that matter they get better the more usage they have right it's not like they're you're gonna hand it to Herbert and the second time he gets the ball he's gonna pop off a 12-yard run it's more of the wear and tear so it's really hard to do like what the Browns do with Chubb and with Hunt not everybody runs in that manner would I like him to get more carries yeah he only had four carries today but he only averaged 3.3 yards it wasn't like he you know had two he got more than that it's like oh why aren't you giving to Herbert more I, what I would like to see maybe is more two back sets where you have them both out there. Maybe one of them is in the slot, things like that, just to keep defenses on their toes. But other than that, it's really hard with multiple running backs. What about the three back sets? We saw that wildcat come back and it's working. That, that worked surprisingly well. I'm blown away <laughs> that it did because there's a reason the wildcat went away. Teams realized, Oh, <laughs> this is really easy to defend, but apparently the Steelers didn't get that. No, apparently not. I'll take it, though. Mooney got a rushing touchdown, which is uh, you know good for him uh, as well. That's one that you don't see uh, every week. Uh, Nick, I'll go over to you. You know The Bears have been going up against very tough defenses over this last month, uh, it feels like, if not uh, even longer than that. And the Steelers brought another really strong unit for this Bears offense to kind of go up against. Are you, I mean, after just seeing everything and as we, what we talked about, what, do you, what are your thoughts on it? Did this surprise you as much as I think it did? Because, uh, again, uh, over 400 total yards of offense was way over my expectation level. Yeah, it's definitely for me, too. And, look, the Steelers did get to Justin Fields three times for three sacks. But I thought even just watching the reps with Larry Borum, when he was isolated one-on-one -on -one with T.J. Watt, there were a couple good reps in there just from his standpoint and – you know, Jason Peters was injured like on the very first series. So you're looking at this offensive line thinking, uh oh, this is going to be, you know, just a long, long day for Justin Fields. And he did get hit a couple times, no doubt about it. But to put up that much yardage and still have so many hiccups along the way, like there, there, there was progress tonight. There was. And there, again, there's a lot of things that still went wrong. But I think it all goes back to the plays that Justin Fields was making the throws that he was making, the decision-making, there was there was one where he felt he just felt pressure and immediately just took off. It's like earlier on in the season, he would have held it on a little bit longer just to see what he can get. But 
now these instincts, these reactions, they're becoming second nature. And you're just seeing him kind of make that progress right before our eyes, which is exactly what we want to see in these tough losses because Justin Fields is the one that's making them tough. It's make you know, these teams really have to work because look, he, he drove them down the field for the game, potentially game winning touchdown. It took a veteran quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger and the defense to give them all those yards to, to eventually get that score. But I think what you saw from Fields ultimately, that's that's what you want to continue seeing, even if the losses do feel like this afterwards. I think it's the decision making, uh, being able to do that at a higher clip. Uh, but really late in the game, what really impressed me was that aggressive mentality. Uh, like that second half, when you have like a third and short, you're taking the deep shot or second and short as well. You know, the same thing, stretching that defense. I think, Mason, you're talking about that as well. Like the, the deep shot's a good one. Like you have to force defenses to honor that. I really like that approach here today. And then even though I, I know we scored a little too early, I, I love the deep ball to Allen Robinson, scoring immediately after that. Like that instilled – so much confidence, like in me, uh, that obviously when you don't have any often, uh, confidence in the offense, uh, watching it for the past month, it doesn't take a lot to kind of raise it a, a little bit. Um, but still, just that really made me, uh, I was impressed uh, by what I saw. And that's, there's not many times when I've watched this offense this year and I felt uh, impressed by what they've been able to accomplish. So that's this uh, a special moment, uh, at least for me as a Bears fan, watching this uh, upward trajectory forward, Justin Fields and his growth. Uh, Mason, what do you think Justin did well today that kind of demonstrated growth to you? One of the things that I really liked and part of it is the play calling, of course, too. But the designed runs are really nice because it just gets, you know, an athlete, which Justin is, out in the open field. But then also Justin being more willing to be more decisive, right? Read, read. For, you know, first read's not there. Second read's not there. Tuck, run. And there were so many times I felt like in some of the previous games where he would do one or be the opposite side of the spectrum, where either he would run immediately, it's just like first reading gone, or... The, it took too long for him to decide, like, okay, I'm now going to run. And so now it resulted in a sack. Versus today, there were multiple times where he was able to get out of dodge and gain a couple, you know, four yards. He was able to sometimes, or even more. And that was really nice to see because now all of a sudden the defense does have to think, okay, we have to honor this. We have to have a more of a, maybe a QB spy on him. We have to have, make sure we maintain our contained suit because you have to be, you can be less aggressive because if you get too far up the field, Justin's going to appropriately step up and slide out and get downfield. And he still kept his eyes downfield. There was the one which I believe it came back due to a penalty because of course it did, but where he was going off to the to the right um, was looking like he was going to scramble, but he actually zipped the pass to Jakeem Grant, and then Grant ran up the sideline for a 15 yard gain. Now it was like third and 20 or something like that, so it wouldn't have really mattered anyway. But that's what you like to see, right? It's pat, scramble to pass, and if that's not there, then run. So being able to see see those is great. Being able to see the touch, I mean, his touch is so nice when he has the time. When he can throw and get his, you know, not throw off his back foot, it's the ball he can throw is just beautiful. And he's he's also learning the touch on some of these passes. Like we talked about, I believe it was, yeah, it was the 49ers game that he probably maybe threw that pass to Cole Komet when he was guard, being guarded by uh, Fred Wagner. Might have had too much pep on it. He's finding a little bit more of, all right, not everything has to be zipped as fast in there. There's actually, you know, some more touch to some of these ones, even into the tighter windows. For sure, and I think a lot of people listening also came away from this game just feeling very impressed uh, by Justin Fields, and it is that multifaceted approach, you know, being able to get him running, and I know one of my keys 
uh, for the game plan on offense was more of those design rollouts. You know, it was perfect on them a week ago. Some also executed a pretty high clip here today. Uh, I still think what we saw from the offensive line today leaves you plenty, uh, to, you know, to be desired, at least moving forward. There, As you said, Nick, some good reps, but still by and large, I feel like Justin didn't have the time in the pocket uh, needed to process these plays as consistently as I would like. And I don't know if they can come up with like a drill, whether if it's like a trip wire, a laser, like one yard down the field. But for these linemen to know what one yard is so they don't pass that, because I swear to God, these illegal men downfield penalties are starting to get in my nerves. I watched whatever game it was yesterday and they're like, oh, these are rare. Like you never see these called anymore in the NFL. I'm like, well, you've never watched the Bears game. And then today <laughs> yeah. we had it again. So uh, that's just another, I don't know negative uh, on top of all these positives but Nick where do you kind of want to steer this conversation for this Bears offense yeah actually I just want to ask you guys a question and this is a good question to ask like which one of all the Justin Fields throws was your favorite there's so many to actually choose from and I'll go with mine first I think it was the seam route to Jimmy Graham when Minka Fitzpatrick is literally in the coming over from would be the left side to the right and Justin Fields has to just zip it and that you know Macy you were talking about the touch this is where he needs to put all the zip into the pass and make that complete. But there's the Allen Robinson. There's the touchdown to Darnell Mooney. There's the rollout to Cole Komet going left. I think it was the first rollout, design rollout for Justin Fields. He, of course, throws a dime to Cole Komet, and he also has a couple over the middle. Like, I'm just curious. Like, I think we – I don't know if we've ever had a discussion where you can have that. No, I'm thinking like our Brian Hoyer, Matt Barkley days all the way through the Trubisky area. No, I don't think we've ever had this conversation, Nick. Uh, I'm going to do one that wasn't even a completion. And it was that deep shot to the right sideline to Darnell Mooney uh, late in his game as well that went right off his fingertips. And Mooney, like, I don't think he expected that ball to be as deep as it was. And he had to turn on the Jets once he looked up for it. But that was a well-placed ball, only where Mooney can get it in that if Mooney would have been running full speed a little sooner, could have been able to catch that right in stride, easy touchdown. And we're looking at a huge play, a huge pickup. And that one would just, I think Bears Nation just would have went bonkers after that one. But one of my favorite throws, even though it wasn't a completion, you hit on all the good ones, though, already, Nick. How about you, Mason? Uh, mine's probably going to be one of the Cole Komet ones. So Cole Komet had three catches in the second quarter, which were the only receptions at all. <laughs> so like literally not, no one else caught a dang ball in the second quarter. Um, and it was one where, again, again, tight window, two defenders, one either side of Cole Komet. Justin just zips it right in there. And again, too hard, probably would have gone right through his hands, but just enough to fit it through there. And it was one to move the chains. So those are the ones, especially with, the current coaching staff, as often as they call hitches, comebacks, things of that nature, that he's going to have to consistently hit. <laughs> yes. And I think, Nick, one of your points, and you didn't make it directly, though, is that we saw all of the arm talent, the full spectrum uh, of the arm talent that Justin has. Uh, we talked about the touch, uh, the velocity, the different angles that he's throwing these balls, you know, throwing from the pocket, throwing, rolling to his left, rolling to his right, uh, kind of doing some improv, taking the deep shots. Like we literally saw every, you know, you know, a trick in the bag here uh, from Justin here today. And these are kind of games that you want to see him really build off of. Like it can't just be a blip. And I know we're going into the bye, but really ride that coming out of the bye. So when we go up against Baltimore in a couple of weeks, we'll see what we can do. Uh, because again, if we can stack performances like this, boy, uh, can we start really cooking uh, something serious sometime here soon. Uh, and again, this 
Steelers defense was no slouch uh, entering this week whatsoever. One of the better units uh, against the pass, against the run, keeping teams uh, at bay in third down situations and in the red zone. And the Bears found a way uh, to make almost magic happen because this offense has done nothing uh, up to this point uh, this season. Mason, how about you? Where would you like to take this offensive talk? We touched on this a little bit, but I think it's worth a deeper dive. I, I'm I'm concerned ultimately about the longevity for so for Justin Fields. Um, I feel like he's kind of getting the Cam Newton effect a little bit, where because he's as as athletic as he is, especially on the scrambles, that he's they're allowing the hit that that window of what is like allowed to be a hit and what isn't is getting is smaller and smaller. And that's something that ultimately is going to affect him long-term, right? It affects the Bears long-term because if it goes that route, you know, if they're like, well, you're too big, too strong, too fast, you're sliding late just because you have the reaction time. Sorry that you're not Ben Roethlisberger and stumbling forward into a five-yard slide. <laughs> like, it's it's something that could end his career, right? Because there was like one in particular, slid, kind of turned, turned around and the defender came over the top of him and his head snapped down, right? That could be a low that could be a lumbar fracture that could be a cervical fracture things of that nature like those things scare me when i see them and and he needs to be protected and then that's not even talking about in the pocket so you know a lot of times it's like what what is the reasoning behind that and how can and when is that going to change if it's going to change at all no that's a good point i think the abuse that justin takes you know, on a weekly basis worries me. Like every time he's taking a shot, like I hold my breath and, you know, pray that this is, he's going to get up. Things are going to be okay. And we can move on to the next play. Uh, but yeah, that's still one to kind of keep tabs on. Uh, how about you, Nick? There's a lot of positives here today. Any more that you want to hit on? Uh, you can harp on, you know, third down issues. I mean, those kind of reared their head again, but that's something I expected coming in this game. It's, I guess the nature of them, though, especially early in this game, you're looking at like third and nine, certain 12, certain 14. Like this offense can't succeed when playing behind the sticks. And it's hard enough when it's third and manageable this season that like you really can't put yourself in those uh, situations. But is there anything else on this Bears offense and what we saw tonight uh, that you want to make sure that we take some time to uh, discuss? Yeah, a couple of things. Going back to like the hits on Justin Fields, he also has to do his due diligence and not kind of take those hits himself when he's running towards the right sideline trying to take on Minka Fitzpatrick it's like hey that's that's like that's one where you you need to avoid that hit because he he did get pop up you know pretty fast but that's a big hit and you know you you definitely want to you know not take those if possible and then you know just kind of going back to one of the throws that he missed early on in the game where I think this is how you're seeing growth within the game it was it was a throw to Marquise Goodwin over the middle of the field he throws it a little too far out in front and Goodwin, you know, is not able to extend and reach that. But man, it seemed like after that missed throw from fields, and that was one that he looked at the replay too. It looked like he was looking at the big, the, you know, the big TV that they had or whatever. And just seeing like, okay, I missed that one. But it seemed like after that, you know, it was pretty spot on with his accuracy. Um, and then also kind of to go back to what you were saying, Will, with the third down, I think that's where you saw early on in that first half. Like you didn't see the design rollouts, the design moving the pocket. And then when you do, you don't get that productivity from the rushing attack. Like you were the previous games, you are in those third and long third, you know, third and medium, even where it's not really advantage for the bears offense at this point in time. So that's where they got to clean it up because ultimately if you don't have all those miscues or even go 
get the two field goals to begin in the red zone or, you know, when you're kind of driving down there, this is a different ball game. It really is. So that's where the bears need to look and evaluate themselves to clean up these penalties, clean up these third and long situations so that their offense can actually continue making progress. They scored 27, which I, I didn't think was going to happen with this bears team, seeing how they were playing offense for the past, you know, couple of weeks. Right, and it's not just moving backwards due to penalties. Uh, you have these negative uh, plays, which you know sometimes we, we've had some sacks. Uh, I know some of those kind of forced us to go three and out. They even had a drive late in the second quarter uh, when they kind of got into field goal range, but then they had uh, a sack. Uh, I think Watt was unblocked, and then he had the illegal men downfield, so then he had to end up punting. Uh, so it's those yep. kind of you know shooting yourselves in the foot situations that they need to avoid and I don't know if it's crazy, and I'm probably, you know, it's getting late, and I'm riding the high of a, a good offensive performance, but, you know, hey, if you can get out of your way sometimes, maybe this can be an, a competent uh, offense as Justin continues to grow, to develop. Uh, as long as you can kind of say it your own way, perhaps we should have some uh, better offensive output consistently uh, throughout the remainder uh, of the season or somewhat consistently i'm trying not to set expectations too high or get uh too far ahead of myself here but definitely those mistakes trying to find ways to limit those are going to be key for this bears offense moving forward and again i'm just super proud of the turnaround at one point i think they had three straight three and outs interception and then ending up handed a punt uh, again and then they build some small momentum some confidence with those field goal drives and then in the second half those turns into touchdowns and that's something that we have not seen from this unit really at all so very just proud of the effort uh, that we saw to them here today mason any final thoughts on offense one of the things that separates a true contender from a team that's trying to find itself that's trying to save jobs that's just happy to maybe have a finally have a competent offense is i feel like the difference in that last touchdown drive that justin had where it was a great drive the throw to Allen robinson was beautiful the throw to darnell mooney was beautiful but literally as soon as that catch to Allen Robinson happened and they were as deep as they were, I turned to my wife and I said, they're going to score too fast. They're going to leave too much time on the clock for Ben Roethlisberger. And that's where other offenses who are comp- who are confident in their offense would be like, you know what, let's run the ball here. We're going to run it. We're going to take the time off a little bit because we know we got two more downs, three more downs in all reality to play with because we know that we can hit this route on this play and we can score on this play. And then you all of a sudden only hand the Steelers a minute left on the clock, something of that nature. So that's that's an evolution that's going to actually happen when the Bears are good. <laughs> they're not there right now. Again, they're just kind of like, we're happy to be here. You know, we were up. Great. I'm just happy that we scored. Uh, and that's, that's a problem for another day. It is. And again, if you don't have that confidence and, you know, you need to try to score in every single play, I get the approach, at least with what we've seen uh, historically this season uh, from this unit and their red zone struggles uh, as well. How about you, Nick? Any final thoughts before we move over to the defense? No, we covered a lot of ground here. And at least there was talking points this time on offense, right? We've been at post-game shows where it's like, let's let's get on to something else. But, you know, there was growth from Justin Fields, and I think that's the most important thing on offense today. Most definitely. Uh, so before we actually talk about this defense, Nick, I want to go back to you because you should have a message for our listeners from our friends over at Owen. I should, and of course I don't have the script in front of me. But what I can give you is a nice message and i actually just took my own protein shake 35 grams of protein all vegan they have delicious flavors and you know who who the guy that just went off tonight justin fields he partners with owen 
So what you can do is you get 20% off your first purchase with the code TCA20. Go to liveowen.com. They have a bunch of options. And if you're not into just pre-made protein shakes, they have powders too. So you can look into all the great products that they have. But use the code TCA20 at liveowen.com. And, you know, some of that will come back to the show to help support us. And we've been seeing that, hey, people have been, you know, buying the protein shakes, which is awesome to see. So definitely tag us if you're using them or do, you know, just use the product. But liveowen.com, use the code TCA20, save 20% off your first purchase. And just feels partners with them. So why not? <laughs> That's all you had to say. Like the one sentence, perfect. But yes, 20% off your first order code TCA20. You can do that over at Live. O-N-O-W-Y-N.com. All righty, we're jumping into the third quarter of the show, and we're going to talk about this Chicago Bears defense that, you know, they gave up 29 points here today against the Steelers offense that has been struggling uh, this season. Uh, Mason and I, we talked about that pretty in depth uh, during the preview episode that this wasn't an offense to technically fear, but with no Mac, no Eddie Jackson, we had a hunch uh, that it wasn't going to be as easy as it felt really uh, on paper here today. So Mason, I go over to you first, uh, taking the uh, look at this defense from like a macro level. What's your assessment of how they fared here today? I think there's some good, uh, definitely some bad and uh, definitely some in between as well. Macro as a whole, better than I thought, considering how many pieces they were missing. Um, Definitely forced more three and outs forced, forced just more than, than was expected. Um, still not getting turnovers. That's just not what this defense really does anymore. And uh, Kendall Vildor got picked on. Like he got, I mean, yes, he gave up some good, that was a mismatch for between him and Pat Fairmuth for that one touchdown, but he was there. I mean, if he got his head around, he could have made a play on the ball. And at the end of the day, literally on the other side of the ball, uh, the Steelers did the exact opposite, right? Joe Hayden played Jimmy Graham and he was giving up a bunch of inches. So they got to figure out what they're doing at that cornerback too. Cause I mean, it's hard to say, but like, I mean, you can make arguments for a couple of positions, but that might be the, the weakest position they have on defense. Yeah. I don't think I have a disagreement right now, at least in terms of like, I'd say straight up talent, like right now without a Cleo Mack, you know, edge rusher gets a little thin. Uh, I think right now, although there were some good spurts, uh, from guys like Amarsh before he decided to look the wrong direction uh, on the football field. Uh, but yeah, no, that's Kendall Vildor uh, was someone that just caught consistently, you know, bullied and picked on, as he said there, Mason. And whenever it felt like they were giving up a big play, uh, number 22 uh, was right, right around that area. But do you know what? I'm going to piggyback off of that. Someone who impressed me today was actually the nickel corner. And that's Duke Shelley. Uh, someone that's been you know in and out of the lineup, um, but starting to kind of get into his own here. And every time I looked and I was marking down notes for him, it was a positive mark uh, for Duke Shelley. Whether it's good plays in coverage, getting in there against the run, and just being you know an active part of this defense and someone that I can have some confidence in that hey he's going to do his job pretty well uh, on this snap. And that's something that I can't say. Uh, and, you know, games last year, early on this season, he's really kind of coming to his own. Uh, maybe there is another person that's starting to develop a, a little bit in front of our eyes, just not under that microscope that everyone wants to put, you know, someone like a Justin Fields uh, under as well. How about you, Nick? What's your just top level takeaways uh, from this Bears defense? You know, just kind of seeing what they're able to do in terms of stopping Najee Harris. He's been what the 
Pittsburgh Steelers were doing in this three-game winning streak was really giving the ball to Najee Harris, letting him run, get those 20-plus yard attempts, and, you know, just be a focal point in that offense. And I think for the most part, looking at what this Bears defense was able to do in terms of corralling to the football, every time Najee Harris was getting the football, there was a lot of Bears players there. Towards the end, you saw him kind of bust out some bigger runs. I think some of the bigger ones that he had all night, but it was later on in the game. But I think for the most part, I liked what they did at the point of attack. It seemed like when Pittsburgh was driving, man, did they have to work. Like, it got to third and one a couple of times, and they had to go for these fourth down attempts. You saw, I think Eddie Goldman played his best game of, you know, for the last two years, right? Obviously not playing last year, but he was consistently just dominating the Pittsburgh Steelers center. I think he went to the University of Illinois, if I'm not mistaken. But he was consistently in the backfield, pushing the pocket back and just disrupting things that the you know Steelers wanted to do back there. So that was nice. The thing that was, you know, I was like looking at where where's kind of Travis Gibson's kind of step up. No Khalil Mack here. You need you need someone to step up. I didn't really see much out of that. And on the one touchdown that um, Ben Roethlisberger had, the first one to the tight end, he had four seconds to throw. It was Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, and I think it was Gibson as well. Nowhere near him. And look, your coverage is going to break down if you leave a guy like that, um, you know, in the pocket and eventually you found somebody. So I think the pass rush got a little better as the game went on. But I think in the beginning, it was a little inconsistent. But I did like how that front seven just was attacking the just the point of attack and just making it difficult for the Pittsburgh Steelers outside of the very first touchdown drive. I think Pittsburgh really had to work for it. They, they scored off the interception that, you know, God, that we didn't even mention that from fields like the crazy interception mm-hmm. from cam cam hayward which you know probably doesn't happen nine times ten times out of ten in the next time but i think outside of like those two drives like pittsburgh really had to work they did uh, early on there were benefits of short fields and they were mm-hmm. able to capitalize on them uh and later on as you mentioned the bears made them work for you know every inch uh, that they had to move this ball here today uh, one of my bigger uh, issues with this Bears defense over the last, I'd say, three games or so is the inability to even force third downs. Like, they're just yeah. allowing offenses to walk all over them on those early downs. And today, they forced the Steelers into 17 uh, third downs on 66 total plays. So that's again, super rough math, but almost a third down on every just over three plays. I think it's a little less than four. Uh, and that's right, pretty much every time. Like, right, right, three plays. All right, third down, here we go. Uh, and only converting on six of those. Uh, they did convert on two of their fourth and ones, but I think them having to convert on those fourth downs showed like, hey, like this is tough, and we have to take every down possible uh, to get these first downs. But I think it's a really good point that even though the Steelers put up a lot of points, it may not have been you know a ton of yards, only 280 total yards compared to the Bears, 414, only 4.2 yards per play compared to the Bears, 7.1 uh, on offense. So it definitely was more of a grind uh, for the Steelers yeah. offense uh, in here uh, today. Uh, Mason, I want to go over to you. Uh, I feel like Nick had a good point with pass rush. Like when we were hitting home, like Ben Roethlisberger, he doesn't have the mobility. He can't move around the pocket. 
I felt like we were maybe too cautious uh, about that at times here today, uh, especially late in the game where we're just kind of playing more coverage and not trying to get to Ben Roethlisberger. I'm thinking of like the Roquan sack that worked well, moving guys like a Travis Gibson, almost playing him like a linebacker and then sending him on a blitz afterwards. Uh, Some of the stunts that we saw early on, I feel like later in the game when it mattered most, they got really vanilla and that surprised me. I I would agree with that for the most part that, you know, Sean Desai, obviously, off that Vic Fangio coaching tree, wants to pretty much only, for the most part, if they can, rush four. Usually, it might be a little more exotic at times where you, know, you drop one of the D linemen to coverage, you bring a Roquan Smith or something of that nature. But we, I don't think we're seeing as many of some of those stunts that we like, that we saw early on. Um, you know, there's some of the times where when the pass rush was really good and you had like a Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn on the same side, right. And they would stunt one would go under one would go over. Um, Nick had highlighted. There was that one uh, touchdown pass the Steelers had where they had three, I believe it was Akeem Hicks, um, Eddie Goldman, and maybe it was Quinn literally all in the same gap. So there was a miscommunication there, whether it was like the, with the stunts, they all, some of them went rogue and ended up in the wrong gap. There was just some funkiness going on there. And then of course, I mean, this whole season, the defense, Mario Edwards in particular, he just always stands out there. There's been a lot of, you know, unnecessary roughness. There's been, uh, you know, roughing the passers going on. And that's, and that's tough. It's, I don't envy being a defensive lineman because, you know, you, you try to make a good solid play and all, and your momentum carries you. And now you're hitting Ben Roethlisberger a little faster or later than you should. And now you're setting your team back a lot. So I think you do have to be sometimes a little more tentative on that. Now, on the other hand, sometimes you get too exotic. Like in when you're trying to prevent the Steelers from getting a field goal and you decide to drop Robert Quinn back in coverage on Pat Fairmuth, who is leading the team in targets at the time. And, you know, now all of a sudden they're in field goal range. That's Sean Desai thinking himself. Why is Robert Quinn in coverage? That's dumb. Don't do that. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. It's not a smart move, uh, especially in that kind of a crucial moment uh, that we saw it in. And if you guys want to look at exotic stunts, and I know, Nick, you like to look at the film, you know, afterward, keep an eye out for a few of those. They really just, I don't know, things I haven't seen before, like Robert Quinn looking like, I think, stunting like three to four gaps away from me <laughs> originally. Like they had no fear uh, of Ben moving that football uh, with his feet. Like he, they knew it was going to be a statue in that pocket. And he's like, I'm going to start at this C gap cross the B, cross the A, uh, the B, C, somewhere in there, and then I'm going to try to find a hole and go in there. And he got some pressure off of it. Uh, but I think that's sad because ideally one of the other three can get there first before Robert Quinn gets all the way around the formation uh, to get some of those pressures. But uh, I just wanted to point that out for something you to look at uh, later on uh, in your week. Uh, let's talk about Roquan Smith for a minute uh, because this guy uh, was – balling out today 12 total tackles uh, two of them for a loss as well as the sack i was waiting for that sack too like all game long i was like when are we going to send roquan and then they waited for a really strong opportunity and it was just pretty much like walking down the bowling alley just whoop and strike like right down the middle so uh roquan smith nick what did you see out of him today uh and i think it was a lot because he was all over the field he, he just looked angry. Like, you guys, just look at him deliver some of the play. Like, Chase Claypool, I think, after he got hit by Roquan Smith, didn't come back in the game. Like, he was just laying out people. And there was a really good play by him and Dan Trevathan, who had to get the start with no Alec Ogletree, to force one of those fourth down attempts, Will, that you were talking about earlier. It was just both the linebackers kind of identifying where Najee Harris is going to be, filling that gap, and making the stop. And 
that's why Najee Harris didn't have, you know, that productive of a game in terms of yards per carry in this one. But yeah, Roquan Smith, if people weren't aware now, I, I think they should be at this point of what he's capable of doing, the type of linebacker that he is and how he is just a focal point for this Bears defense. But it felt like every single hit, it just looked like it hurt to, you know, to receive that that blow from Roquan Smith. So, yeah, he balled out, and that's exactly what he needs to do when guys like, I don't even, I don't know when Akeem Hicks left this game officially, and I didn't really even notice it until you're like, well, I haven't seen 96 in a while. I don't know when he got hurt, but then you see he's wrapped up with the ankle, and I think that kind of, and I know you said, well, like there were still some exotic things going on, but I think it makes it a little bit more difficult to run some of those stunts when you don't have Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks who f- get a lot of the attention. So if like they run a stunt, like, ah, it's, you know, Angelo Blackson and Law Nichols, you guys do your thing. We'll still block you like we have to. But if it's Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack, you're like, where's 96? Where's 52? So I think that also kind of creates, or, you know, maybe is the, why, is the reason why there's the lack of, um, consistency in the pass rush that we kind of saw in spurts in this game yeah, that's a good point too because like without hicks and your top rusher and mac like everyone's job for the steelers gets tremendously easier yeah. where they can go uh, and feel confident in some of those one-on-one battles uh, up there in the trenches uh how about you mason i'll go to you next do you have any other uh, i guess direction you want to steer the ship here in general for the defense it's we talked about this a little bit, Will, where it's tough because the offense and the defense, their timelines don't necessarily match, right? I mean, you have some young pieces on the defense, of course, you know, Jalen Smith, or sorry, Jalen Johnson, for example, uh, is one of those pieces. But for the most part, it's a it was a very win-now defense, and now it's more of a, or let's try to keep the boat afloat kind of a defense. And eventually it's going to get to the point where it's like, you're going to have to actually start to rebuild this defense. And... Now in the offense is the other way, right? It's it's a young offense trying to figure out its way, and you're going to see where you go from there. So it's more of, a, I guess, a question than a statement. It's like, what do we really want to see out of this defense for the rest of the year? Because in the th- in theory, it'd be, you know, Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson, maybe a, a Bilal Nichols, hopefully a Kendall Vildor, stuff like that, like cont- continuing to rise and make plays. And as of right now, the only one that's, doing that consistently is Roquan Smith. Jalen Johnson seems allergic to catching the football in terms of getting interceptions, right? Blal Nichols didn't really, hasn't splashed since the interception he had against the Bengals. And that's not even how I want him to splash. Like I don't need you intercepting the ball. I need you getting to the quarterback and making more run stops. So, you know, and then these other players, Danny Trevathan, Akeem Hicks falls in that category. The Robert Quinn's of the world. What, what is their role in this team at this, you know, for what they're going to be? It's just, it's an odd spot to be in. Yeah, no, it, it is. That's a, that's a really, you know, good and interesting point uh, there, Mason. Uh, Nick, is, are there any other players that you wanted to highlight from this game overall or anything else in this Bears defense? It's one of those where I almost feel like he summed it perfectly when he said, you know, they made life difficult for the Steelers, you know, moving the football. Uh, unfortunately, short fields early uh, tended to hurt. And then, you know, just pretty much them allowing themselves to get into field goal range, whether it's due to those penalties, which we've already kind of harped on early on in the show, or uh, some of those bigger plays. And then they kind of would buckle back down. It's, 
uh, just, you know, a play here or there, and it could have been a whole different outcome, even on this side of the ball. No, and that's what it was. Look, the Steelers still went three for three in the red zone, and there were a couple times in when the Bears had a good stop on first down, it'd be second and 10, Steelers would get a nice gain and then eventually get go get the touchdown. I think that's the sequence of plays that led to that Brendan Roethlisberger um, touchdown where he had four seconds to throw. So they did a lot of good things, and then, you know, you can't finish the play. Um, I think some that maybe isn't being talked about and don't know if he, he how how much of an impact it makes in this one, but there was the one throw over the middle of the field where Ben Roethlisberger just threw that ball up there and it somehow landed in one of his wide receivers. It was underthrown, and it was DHC, DeAndre Houston Carson, who just couldn't get over there. Just He just didn't have the react or whatever, just out of position a little bit to get over to the middle of the field. You just wonder. I know Eddie Jackson hasn't made the plays. I know there's a lot of um, opinions and you know takes on Eddie Jackson, but I, I have a feeling that he kind of makes that play. I think it at least is in the vicinity, but you know, obviously being sidelined with, with an injury, um, it would be interesting to see. And I know people, I don't know I have my phone off and I'm looking at comments right now, but it would be interesting to see because DHC obviously had the the touchdown on the um, special teams play and he's done a lot of good things for the bears. But I think we also saw last game against the 49ers one-on-one coverage with G- DHC is not what you want to do. What was it praying that you just cooked them on a two point conversion wasn't even close. So he has his limitations, good player, good football player does everything right. But you wonder, like Eddie Jackson makes has made plays for a reason. You, I, I think the Bears, obviously the Bears would like to get him back, and I would like to see him back, back. Wow, back. nostalgia is already hitting you, where you feel like Jackson would make that play. No, I, I, he would be in range. He has the range to be there, but would the communication been there? Would he actually been in the right spot? So many questions. But it reminded me of the Nick Foles like playoff game. Remember when he missed mm-hmm. that game, and there was just so Nick Foles just throwing that ball up there, you're like somebody for the love of god get this interception nobody was there so i don't know why just that throw i'm like just reminisce of old terrible times thank you it's you know the missed field goal it's all just you know it's we're dropping here nick it's it's a three and six team it's a little bit different uh than what we saw there uh in 2018 Uh, but yeah with deandre houston carson it's I have a love love relationship like about him. Like even though like I know he's not in like an ideal starting safety for this defense. Uh, but the dude's work ethic, his ability to work his way through here all these years is just as primarily a special teamer to getting some defensive reps last year and now being someone that you can depend on, I, I think is tremendous uh, growth, uh, perseverance uh, by a really awesome guy. Uh, but I think when you look at this defense, ideally he's coming in in those dime packages and helping you out and not being someone who is just thrust uh, out there in more extended time because that's when things can kind of go uh, askew uh, just a little bit. But uh, outside of that, I thought, you know, Tachon Gibson flashed some good plays here today, whether it's strong run uh, support yeah. plays, getting some plays uh, racked up before first downs were gained. Uh, that was over here in my notes. I thought Cassius March, I know we talked about the taunting, but for him just coming into this team, just getting elevated from the practice squad here today, made a pretty good mark here as well. Uh, but outside of that, guys, uh, I think that's really all I have about this Bears defense uh, here today. So let's just move on to our quick hit on special teams. Uh, again, Cairo Santos' streak, uh, which I think hit 40 straight field goals, right? That was the number uh, yeah. before it was snapped. So 40 straight field goals for Cairo will officially be 
the streak that he had here in Chicago before he missed that potential uh, game-winning 65-yard uh, field goal. Uh, so that's, the I guess, the one big thing I want to hit on. And then I wanted to go to Mason uh, to see if he's still checking, if he's still liking the aggressiveness uh, from Mr. Grant back there with his returning duties because uh, I've been wary for weeks, and I feel like we're kind of playing with fire. And he, he saw that today, um, whether it was the one where he had like a return to the 12, whatever that was, the one, I mean, the fumble, the fumbles, I mean, that's just ball security. That wasn't aggressiveness. That's just bad returning. Um, it was a great return. And then it wasn't even like the, 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 the defender's shoulder head wasn't even on the ball. I mean, he hit him, the defender hit him on the left side, the ball's on the right side. That's just bad ball security. Um, it's weird. It's a weird dichotomy because even when you're listening to the broadcast, Lewis Riddick is, is talking about how Mike Tomlin like was noting Jakeem Grant's explosive. They were worried about him. And that's true. I mean, you can tell he is fast. You can tell that he's got this ability to potentially have the big play. We just haven't been fortunate enough to have it occur for the Bears. And then on the other and in addition to that, unfortunately, there are just too many times where you're getting the 10 yard return out of the end zone. You're getting the 15 yard return on the end zone. And when you have an offense that has been as pedantic as the bears have been, you, you need as many yards as you can get. So I'm starting to the Jakeem Grant diamond is starting to lose some of its glean. Um, I would prefer what he's doing compared to some of the returners, the past, right? At least he's not allergic to the ball. Like Ted Ginn, uh, that, that was more for me an issue uh and then him being too aggressive so we'll see how it goes he needs to he needs if he gets a return touch touchdown if he can get a 55 yard punt return to get him in good field range it'll settle things down but until then he needs to he needs to figure it out a little bit i will say i'll say this i'm just thankful he didn't take that final kickoff return out of the end zone and run for eight seconds just to get back to the 25 that was (laughs) <laughs> that was that was that was elation for me because I really thought he was doing it, and I think even the broadcast thought he was doing it too. Like, all right, he's he's someone that's gonna take it out. Here we go, and he didn't. Well, and one thing too that I thought about today is one thing that was really underrated about the the, the Hester special teams was how good that special teams unit was blocking. Yes, like when you watch what this special teams can do, and obviously in punt coverage, they're horrendous. When you watch what they do in punt and kick block it's like they're not good at that either so it's at some point why have someone be as aggressive if your return scheme is just going to be abhorrent Ooh, whipping out the big words here at near the end of the podcast congratulations my brain is slowly uh slipping <laughs> into yeah you know twelve forty in the morning got to be back up for work and a, a baby doctor appointment pretty early so we're getting there, a little exhaustion, but games like today definitely help. If it would have been how the game was going in the first quarter and it would have just been the same story, this show would have been over about 25 minutes. Exactly. Ago. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but I'm glad they give us a little bit more positivity to talk about. Uh, Nick, anything else on special teams is worth hitting on? Uh, we talked about the DHC scoop and score, Santos streak ending, uh, a little bit about Grant. Anything else? Hey, Joel E.A. Buniwe, I'm pretty sure he hit that ball. Like, he had he had something to do with it. They couldn't pronounce his last name. I'm like, I know how to pronounce that last name. We said it way too many times where he hasn't done anything. But now he, he obviously did. So, uh, beneficiary of DHC to pick that ball up and, and score. And I think you have seen a little bit better of, like, Bears players being aware. Like, if a ball is on the ground, just run with it. 
just run. You don't, if you don't hear the whistle, like they even did on the Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. um, whatever he was trying to do there. And I think it was Christian Jones had the ball, if I'm not mistaken. So I do like that. Cause we've seen in the past where, Oh, there's a ball. Oh, Packers, whoever the hell picked up the ball and ran with it. You know, obviously everyone knows what we're talking about here, but, uh, Yes, so I just want to uh, shout out Joel E.A. Booneyway. Yeah, forcing that fumble, which uh, was close, and luckily that ball was moving too. So a uh, yep. good extra shout out there, Nick. Uh, I'm curious, guys, because this could go a few different ways, potentially. We'll see. Uh, but who is going to be uh, your Week 9 most valuable bear? Mason, I'll go over to you. Who's the MVB in your eyes? Who's this season about? It's about Justin Fields. <laughs> I mean, it's and if it wasn't, if you didn't have Justin out there, if you had insert other past Bears quarterback, if you had some of the quarter, even honestly, some of the starters you had uh, that we saw this last weekend, you know, Sam Darnold comes to mind. Um, for example, uh, there's 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 a short list, there's a long list there. There, this game wouldn't it haven't even been close. Um, his athleticism, his ability to read the field. Uh, his ability, his processing has gotten faster. Uh, you know, 17 for 29, 291 yards passing uh, through that touch on the interception was ridiculous. I mean, Sam Muster yep. basically pushed it into, you know, his chest. If I wish there was a stat out there that showed the probability of interception, and hit, it, that has to be one of the lowest ever because most of his interceptions are these weird tipped ones. They're ones that, like, shouldn't even be interceptions. Like, someone's got to figure out a stat for that because th- that's insane. Um, and the poise he showed on those last couple drives was ridiculous, right? And even the last one to get them almost into field goal range for Cairo Santos, which definitely, yeah, I looked at it, didn't hit the crossbar. It just was the perfect spot where on the broadcast where it bounced on the turf and rolled forward. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that makes more sense. I was wondering why people were saying in the chat that it was like 10 yards short. Anyway. Um, I mean, yes, the Steelers are giving it to you, but he's dinking and dunking and, I mean, moving the ball. I mean, go to week one against the Browns, that wouldn't have happened. So, Justin Fields. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. And also, you know, just uh, kudos to Cairo Santos for going out there and attempting that kick that he knows he probably does not have the leg for, knowing his streak's about to die just to give this team uh, you know, some hope and, and a chance. Uh, although, one final thought before you actually go to Nick for his MVB, and this is just a thought I, did, I just had. I don't know why it took an hour. What do you like better? Would you have taken that field goal chance or do a Hail Mary? I mean, Cairo Santos has been on. Like we saw, what? It was Justin Tucker made a 64-yarder. Right. So in an indoor, completely different setting. And Cairo Sanders doesn't have the leg that Tucker has. But actually, I don't know, though. But Justin Fields was on. And you know, maybe that's where Jimmy Graham comes in, in handy. Who? Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. Maybe they felt like the protection wouldn't have been there long enough to set it up. Because even in that last drive, like he would try to move around. But there's people in his lap in a hurry. And that's why we had to keep going a little shorter uh, than I think they wanted to. Uh, and trying to drive into that at least hopeful uh, field goal range. Mason, would you have went with the field goal in retrospect, or would you have just chalked one up there? I think uh, from watching Cairo Santos warm up, that's one of the nice things about being able to be in the press box that we've had over this year is that's not his range. I mean, like, even in warm-ups when, you know, there's nobody around and no one rushing, he's really not hitting that kick with any 
consistency whatsoever. Uh, Heinz Field is hard to kick in. There was even uh, it was it was short, but they went and showed Nagy and uh, I'm like, oh my god, I just had a brain fart. Who's our special Tabor? teams coordinator? Tabor, jeez, and Tabor. Right. And if you read his lips, he basically was like, he can't make, he can't make, he's a delay for that. He can't make that. <laughs> like you can just tell he was just <laughs> telling him, no, I don't think he can make that kick. Um, I mean, this isn't, this is kind of, I don't think I would have been going for the kick in the first place. I, I would have tried a couple of deep ones, but definitely in that situation, I probably just would have thrown it deep. You probably have a higher chance of a funky tip ball falling into your lap than knowing he just doesn't have the leg for that distance. And with the refs wanting to be involved, they would have gotten their nose into that play one way or the other. Maybe we get PI. And then if you get that, then you're definitely uh, in some easy range. Next thing, no. And how this game went, you're right. Just... <laughs> Offensive pass interference in the end zone. <laughs> that's, that's what it would have happened. Um, yeah. You know what? Just as likely as Eddie Jackson making that play. I, well, <laughs> yeah, you say that, that it yeah. blew my mind. Like... <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I just had, I just, I went back to 2018 for some reason. Just seeing that ball float up in the air. Like, I remember wishing that, you know, Eddie Jackson could be there. We'll never know, but I'll give my MVP because Please. this is where this is going. Uh, I think it has to be Just Fields, but I think, you know, Cole Komet is deserving, not not for an MVP, but on the way up. And I think we saw that even last game. So he is starting to be utilized more, which is, it's about time, you guys, honestly. I think a lot of people are already out, or still probably are out on Cole Clement, and like this maybe just like, you know, once-in-a-lifetime game. I think you're just starting to see Justin Fields become more comfortable with him. He's a, he's a big, reliable target from what he, we showed in this game specifically. So him being, uh, you know, a guy that you can mention, Eddie Goldman, like we were talking about earlier, but it is Justin Fields because of what he did in that fourth quarter, that final drive, the throws and decisions he had to make. And what that could potentially mean moving forward. It's not like Mitch Trubisky against the Eagles and, you know, that drive that, oh, he's going to become this quarterback that we all hope envision him to be. No, Justin Fields has shown just in this game that he can learn from his mistakes, make the right throws, process, and do that on the road. And he had the game won and, you know, defense just kind of gave it up at the end there. So it is Justin Fields as the MVP there. I'll make that a consensus. Again, about 340 total yards from fields between what he was able to do through the air uh, as well as on the ground with his feet. Uh, and this is a Steelers defense that averaged 350 total yards per game given up by them, like total, uh, which is 11th best in the NFL. So I think the growth uh, that we saw from Justin here today uh, and the ability to push that ball downfield, I see receivers uh, that their averages, I think all besides David Montgomery, if I'm not mistaken, have double digits uh, for their average Yes. So David Montgomery averaged 8.5 yards per reception. The next lowest bear was Darnell Mooney at 13.7. Uh, so everyone else is higher than that uh, today. Uh, without Justin, I don't, I don't think that's possible. Uh, I saw in the chat, though, that uh, Brendan Henderson uh, gave Kendall <laughs> Hildor for the most violated bear, uh, which is a different spin <laughs> on MVB that I've never considered You know, before. That was, uh, that was a good one, Brendan. I appreciate the laughs here. Uh, this evening, but no, I think Justin Fields uh, is an easy one. And uh, other than that, guys, as we kind of get into some final thoughts and all that good stuff, uh, it's interesting that Allen Robinson had his best game uh, of the season, right? Four catches, 68 yards, something we haven't really seen him do. And yet it goes so under the radar, we didn't mention it once uh, when we talked about this Bears offense. Just food for thought uh, as I was kind of rescanning uh, this 
box score. But uh, guys, let's go ahead and get into our uh, two-minute warnings. Uh, this is where we kind of put uh, you know, our final thoughts together, uh, both for this game uh, as well as it's kind of the season moving forward. So let's go over to Mason first, and you are up with your two-minute warning. So I've been saying this the last couple two-minute warnings we've done. It's always it's just keep in mind what this year is about. It's not about the win losses. It's about the what doesn't go in the win loss column. It's those moral victories that when you're a contending team you don't care about, but when you're a non-contending team and the Bears are certainly a non-contending team, that's what matters. It's the moral victories. It's how is Justin Fields progressing? How is the connection between him and his young weapons? Right? What what is what is that like? What is how is that evolving? And we saw evolution and we've been seeing it from one game to the next, right? We've seen it in some of the confidence. We've seen it in the quality of his throws. We've seen it in the decision-making. It, it is, it's something that's really nice to see. Now, one thing that I'm really interested to see is what happens out of the bye, because as we know, the bears tend to not be good out of the bye for whatever reason. It's just like the bears are not good out of timeouts. That was something we also didn't talk about how they took a timeout and somehow had an illegal wow. formation. Um, but yeah, that's, that that's we're not in that part right now we're talking with a two-minute warning um so what what will what will justin what will matt nagy against a very good ravens team uh what will they do and the ravens and this is looking a little ahead but they've been an interesting team right i mean they played the vikings close they played the lions close it seems like they kind of play to their play to their down to their whoever they're playing so that'll be something that we're kind of looking ahead to at this point and as we're looking ahead Again, just continued growth. So can we get a game out of Justin that it's two passing touchdowns? Because I know we can run. I don't. I know that. Can he throw it? Can he throw, what's that uh, one phrase that was thrown around a lot? I think it was with Mitch. Throw the ball through the keyhole or whatever stupid phrase oh, yeah. they said that Mitch couldn't do. <laughs> can, can Justin throw the ball through the keyhole and put up two, three touchdowns and take it to the next level? Really well done. Great two-minute warning. Uh, I'll jump in over with mine here real quick. Uh, and I guess I just want to begin it uh, by kind of echoing uh, the sentiment and statements that I've been kind of spouting throughout the entire episode. And that's just uh, the resiliency uh, that we saw from this team here today because we have not seen that really uh, this season. Uh, we've seen this Bears team just getting beaten and battered and broken week in and week out over the past month. Uh, and it's been kind of frustrating to watch. Uh, it makes it a little tougher to kind of get ready for some of these preview shows and hopping out for post games and like, trying to figure out other ways to explain what went wrong. And today it's a little easier because, you know, the margin uh, was much thinner. And really what you were able to see with this Bears team struggling early on both offense and defense. It was not pretty early on. Steelers were able to walk down the field, even though they're short fields, and this Bears offense consistently three and outs or turnovers. And, you know, despite that, they stuck together and they're able to uh, stick with it and go and make this comeback here in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, unfortunately, they only led for like a minute of the entire game. It wasn't a lot of time uh, that they led, but it was almost the most important time, which would have been, you know, all four zeros uh, on the game clock when it was all said and done. But 
Uh, as Mason said, uh, we saw a tremendous amount of growth uh, from Justin Fields, I think from last week, which he kind of started in getting that national buzz and now taking it to the next level here today uh, by, by being able to make great plays with his arm. Uh, we talked about it in the second quarter uh, with all the arm talent on full display, making all the throws that you want him to make. We saw everything uh, and more, uh, I think, here uh, in this game. You just couldn't really get out of uh, your own way if you're the Chicago Bears. And a as we know, uh, some of those calls uh, didn't help us uh, at all either. It's one of those games that, you know, one of those go one way or the other, and it can be an entirely uh, different outcome. But still, uh, probably the happiest I've been in a postgame show in quite some time. Uh, so that's that's great. Uh, Nick, I'll go over to you for your two-minute warning. Well, I'm really glad you took it in that direction because I want everyone to kind of go back and remember that first half. The inability of this offense to do anything, and it came out sluggish, penalties, it just looked mismanaged. That's the coaching staff that Justin Fields is currently on. He has to almost bail them out with these incredible throws. They're not doing anything in terms of having the consistency with the design rollouts or catering to his strengths until later in the game. It's like what I think people need to just remember is like, yes, you could be excited about Justin Fields and the progress that he showed, but also remember the inept ability from the coaching staff the players around him, what this current team is looking like, because ultimately if it's just fields carrying, carrying this team offensively, I think that's almost the best case scenario in terms of getting everybody else out. The bears are still three and six. They lost. They only like Will said, had the lead for a minute. They looked terrible offensively in this first half. And that's because of all the penalties, the mismanaged time. How do you mismanage a time? I'm so glad Mason brought that up as well, because that's inexcusable. And yes, they've already been at road games and have played in the primetime games. Week one, they did that, but yet they came out to start off a game like that. Cannot happen. Bears fans should be fed up with it. And yes, we saw some spurts offensively growth from Justin Fields, but we all know that this is not going to be the coaching staff, the offensive scheme that's going to grow with Fields moving forward. So just remember that in terms of when we see these games, it's like, that's that's not going to be the coaching staff that's going to be here when Fields is still progressing because that is going to consistently be the case throughout the season where we're going to see these questionable coaching decisions, bad play calls, and where the design rollouts. They're going to continue after the bye week. They're not going to solve their problems. We've been Bears fans for way too long. We all know how this goes. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's uh, all too familiar, Nick, uh, to say the least. So really well said uh, by both of you uh, for this entirety uh, of this episode. But I'm going to kind of close up shop here. I'll begin by thanking everyone who tuned in here live. Uh, the chat got pretty lit here tonight, uh, both between uh, Bears fans, some Steelers fans in there as well, and everything was pretty cordial. And uh, I think everyone had a common em enemy here tonight uh, in the officiating, at least based off what I was able to gather here. But uh, thanks again uh, for everyone who watched this live. If you're watching the replay as well, if you're listening to the podcast uh, after the fact, just know, you know, no matter how you consume our show, we appreciate the time that you took uh, to listen to us talk about Bears football. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, rate review our show over on Apple Podcasts. It helps us uh, when we're talking to new potential sponsors of the show. Uh, coming up next, uh, I think we're kind of undecided right now. It is a bye week 
Uh, but we'll definitely come back out with some additional content for you all uh, to kind of hold us over until the next game week, which is the Baltimore Ravens coming to town. But the Bears do fall to 3-6 and six, uh, after this almost comeback attempt uh, by the Bears here on Monday Night Football. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. <laughs>